We thank you that you are awesome. We thank you that you're wonderful. We thank you that there's none like you. God, we just want to tell you right now that we love you with all of our hearts. And God, do such a work inside of us. God, as we go into a new series, love much. God, may we be able to do that, God. May you change our hearts, God, to be able to love in a greater way and receive love in a greater way. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Come on and shout amen in the house. High five two people around you and say, love much. Come on, love much. Love much. Come on, I've really been excited to preach this series. I'm so excited I bought the shirt, amen. And just so excited to teach this new series called Love Much. It was about in November when we were reading through the Bible together, and I pray that you're still doing that with us every day. And we came to 1 John in the New Testament. And as I was reading one day, just something jumped out at me, and the thought that hit me was love much. Love much. Philip, this is what you need to teach on in February. Love much. The passage I was reading comes from 1 John 3, verse 16 through 20. And it's from the Message Bible because that's the version that I was reading the Bible last year through. And it says this, This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed His life for us. Pastor Pete talked about that. The giving of grace. The giving of God's life for every one of us. That's how we can experience and understand and have love. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just for ourselves. Because if you see a brother or sister in need and you have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? Say with me, what happens? happens? To God's love. The Bible answers. It says it disappears. And who made it disappear? You made it disappear. Come on, say with me, love much. Come on, it's our responsibility because the love of God is disappearing today. Have you noticed that? And it's why? Because of God's children, us who are called to be Christians, we are not showing the love of God. Read on. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. Come on, that's what it says on the shirt, doesn't it? Let's not just talk about love, but let's live it. Let's practice it. Let's bring not just, whoops, not just any love, but what love? Real love, the love of Jesus, the love of God. And it says, this is the only way that we'll truly live. Come on. You want to live truly? You've got to be in the love of God, living in God's reality. It's all about the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and He knows more about us than we do of ourselves. Say with me, love much. Love much. We've got to practice real love. And for the next four weeks, we're going to go on a journey. Today, we're going to talk about loving God much. Love God much. Next week, we're going to talk about love in our home. Come on, it's close to Valentine's. We're going to talk about husbands and wives, the family, kids. We're going to talk about having the love of God in our homes. The next week, we're going to talk about loving others. You know that person that sits beside you at work that you're struggling with? We're going to help you love them. You know that neighbor down the street that annoys the fire out of you? We're going to help you love them. 
Come on, you know, parents, that kid, you can't stand. No, I'm only playing, but, you know, we're going to help you love other people. And then the last week, we're going to talk about loving the house. Come on, a heart for the house. And we mentioned it today, but please, I want you to be praying and really standing with us above and beyond your regular giving of tithes on a monthly basis. We're going to take up a special heart for the house offering. Over the next week or so, we're going to have a budget form. We're going to show you all the work and where the funds are going to go to because we're remodeling, we're rebuilding, we're doing a lot of things. And we're going to show you, just even this week, our computer crashed. Do you know how much that costs? $2,800 to replace a computer this week. I mean, there's needs in the house that we just don't fathom, we don't get. And we're going to be showing you clearly what we're believing for God to do. And we need your help. We need your support to build the house of God. Is that okay? Because just like the scripture I read in Chronicles, David wasn't to build the house, but he was to prepare. Come on. If you can help us come and build with your hands, we would love that too. But you can prepare the building. You can prepare for the next generations. And I think that is so key in everything we do. So we're going to be talking about loving the house. Say with me today, love God. Much, much, much. In Matthew chapter 11, and this was part of my daily reading today, I thought how good God is just to confirm his word again. Jesus is actually having a feud with the religious leaders. Really, they're having a feud with Jesus. Jesus didn't come to pick a battle with them. He just came to preach truth. But the truth he spoke was an enemy. They opposed it. They didn't like what Jesus said. So there was a debate that was going on. It's an ongoing debate. But one of them kind of got Jesus off to the side. And when Jesus was on his way, on his own, one of the religious leaders who the Bible tells us was a lawyer came to Jesus and asked him a question. And the question he asked Jesus was to test him. To test him. Why? Because they, their mission in life was to disprove God. To take him out. To try and trap him in his words. Read it. Matthew 22, 35 through 39. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest command. We're talking about loving God today. And it's important because Jesus said this needs to be first. Come on, say with me first. This needs to be first. And verse 39, and the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That last part can be pretty tough for many of us for this reason. Are you ready? We don't love ourselves. We struggle to love ourselves. So how can I love someone else if I don't love myself? What you've got to see in all of this is no matter how you feel of loving yourself, you've got to look at the love that God has for you in the same way that God loves you. That's the way that you've got to try And love other people, love other people the same way that God. Jesus speaks about this with forgiveness. How can I forgive someone in the same way that God has forgiven me? Now I need to forgive. Thank God that he gave it to us first. God is first love in our lives. And God has to be first. Pretty interesting, the verses that I read started at 1 John 3.16. Anyone know what John 3.16 is? For God so loved the world. Love began. When he gave his son 
for each and every one of us. But why did Jesus give his son so we can have life, know life, but really we can have the opportunity to love other people? That we can love. That's our vision statement here. Life, love, and purpose. Love happens. Why? By receiving the love of Jesus. Because when you know love, you can give love. You can find love in Christ. And then from that love, you can begin to love other people. So I want to talk today about how can I love God in a greater way? How can I love God in a greater way? And I believe we've got to first know God's love language. What is the language of love? And it starts here. It starts with worship. Worship. Say with me, worship. Worship. What is worship? Here's one of the greatest definitions of worship I've ever seen. It's so simple, but yet so powerful. Worship is love expressed. That's what it is. It's love expressed. Worship is how we express our love. And based on many of our expressions of love, I think it's pretty safe to say that we love our dog more than we do God. Based on our expressions of love, some of us love LSU more than his church in loving Jesus. Based on our expressions of love, some of us love food more than God, people more than God, money more than God. And don't turn off when you hear the word worship, because I want to give you a new perspective today of what it means to worship God. How can I, through my worship, love God more? Because worship is not what goes on in a church service. Worship is what takes place in your heart. Worship is the state of our hearts. It's happening inside of each and every one of our hearts. Now today we had corporate worship. And man, they did a great job today. Wow, that was awesome today. And I believe in corporate worship. And I love all of those things. But our love for God must be expressed throughout our lives each and every day. The way we talk, the way we live, the way we act, everything we do. Why? Because we just read there, if we don't do that, the love of God disappears. So we've got to get it right so other people can see. So true love language, or true worship rather, is speaking God's Love language. When it comes to actual worship, hands lifted singing, people tend to look at worship as a personal issue. And I have a big problem with that. And here's why I have a big problem with that. Because if we make it a personal issue, we perhaps miss the whole point of worship. If we make it a subjective impression or interpretation, what do I mean by that? Well, pastor, it's all right for you lifting your hands and dancing, but that's just not who I am. I'm more reserved. I'm more quiet. Here's my style. Here's my type. Here's how I worship. You do it your way, and I'll do it my way. Come on, we've all had that conversation, even with our mouth or in our head. We've had those conversations that's going on. But what's the meaning of worship? Let's go back. Worship is what? Love expressed. Worship is love expressed. We all worship something that we love. We're going to worship what we love. I said we're going to worship what we love. Whether it's our dog football, whether it's job, whether it's someone else. We're going to worship what we love. Notice this statement. But shouldn't the focus 
be on the object of what our affection wants and not what we like. Let me say that again. But shouldn't the focus be on what the object of our affection wants and not what we like? Let me break it down for you, okay? Kelly and I are married. I love Kelly deeply. But I can't just love Kelly the way I want to love her. I have to, if I'm going to really unlock her heart, I have to love her in the way that she wants to be loved. Come on, are you following with me right now? So what I've got to do is I've got to fill the love tank. Come on, I've got to fill that love tank up because if that love tank is full, she's going to give back to me. Because when she feels loved, she's going to love back. She's going to give back. Gary Chapman wrote an incredible study, five love languages. We studied this in one of our married groups last semester. It's a phenomenal course. And what his purpose for writing this course was, he wanted to help other couples to understand each other's needs so they could build a stronger marriage. So he offers up in this course five styles of giving and receiving love. They call it the five love languages. Quickly, here's what they are. The first one is this, acts of service. Acts of service is when you do something for me. Acts of service is my love language. It's actually Kelly's too. So the way I can tell her I love her the most is by doing the laundry, helping her with the dishes, helping out with the kids. Acts of service, doing these things, and that to her, that's how she feels love. That's how I spell L-O-V-E to Kelly, through acts of service. Now that's her primary language. There are other ways that she feels it. The next one is this quality time. Some people, that's their love language. They just need that quality time. They don't want to be in a group with you. They want to be one-on-one with you. They want to have that special time. They want to see you make that special effort to find that time where you can be fully present and you can be fully focused on them. And what I've discovered is this. It's not so much the quantity, but the quality. They want that quality of time. The next one is gifts. You just want someone to buy you a gift. Flowers. Oh, I feel so loved. Oh, look what my husband bought me. Oh, look what my wife gave me. Oh, I love gifts. I love gifts. That's a love language. Another one is words of affirmation. You need that attaboy. You need those words. You need someone to say, good job. You are awesome. Just giving you that validation and that praise that you want. The last one is physical touch. Come on, they're the huggers and the patters. They want someone just to hold them and just to touch them. That's how they feel love. There's a need. Every one of you has those needs in your life. Whatever the primary one may be, that's needs. That's love language. So listen to me. The secret to becoming a greater lover of people is to learn what's their primary love language. Because when we learn that primary love language, we fill the love tank. But here's the trap that we fall into. Are you ready? We tend to project on others the need that we have. So if I need love through acts of service, I think in doing acts of service, that person, Kelly, is going to feel. Now she does, and it works out good for me. But because you like gifts, and you buy your spouse, or you buy someone around you a gift, and they kind of look at it and push it to the side, and they don't appreciate it, you can be offended on that. Why? Because that's how I feel love, so we're projecting on other people. But it's almost like Gary Chapman says, we can be talking in a different language. 
Because we think, wow, I'm doing something so special to them. And to them, they're like, doesn't really matter. Gee, thanks. Appreciate that. I can buy stuff for Kelly. But you know what? That's not her primary love language. That's not how she feels loved. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about loving God much. So if we're going to love God the way he likes, we need to know God's love language. Meaning what? Look at this. We have got to let go of focusing on worship as something to make us feel good. Revelations 4.11 says this, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive the thought, all glory and honor and praise. For you created all things. They exist because you created what you pleased. Message Bible says, God, you created it all, but it was created because you wanted it. Everything that God created was with a purpose. And the purpose was this. God created it to be pleasing to Him. God created you and I to be pleasing to Him. He wants us to put a smile on His face. And if we were to read through the Word of God, we're going to discover a lot about God. Come on, we can discover through the Word that God can be grieved. Did you know that? We can grieve God. We can discover through the Word that God's jealous. He doesn't want to share us. With other people. We can read through the Word of God and see that God can get angry. We can see that God has feelings, that God has compassion, He has pity, He has sorrow, He has sympathy. We see that God loves and He delights, He rejoices, He enjoys even when we laugh. Through the Word of God, we can see expressions of God throughout the Bible. So, what am I saying? We serve a God with feelings. Well, let me put it this way we serve a God who loves to be loved. He wants to be loved by you. Remember the greatest commandment we just read earlier? That you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. That's the first. And how do we do that? We do that by giving God praise, by praising God with our lives. In our English word praise, there's there's different meanings that we can have, but... In the original word, praise, it's actually broken down into seven different words in the Hebrew language. We're going to give you a Hebrew test or a Hebrew study today. Because we're going to look at the seven words for praise. And how we love God, how we express. Worship praise is the way that we express our love towards God. The first word for praise is hallel. Hallel. From Hallel is where we get the word Hallelujah. Yah, J-A-H, is God. So it's literally Hallel, God, praise God. When we are saying Hallelujah, what we're saying is praise God, praise God. You know what's something so incredible about Hallelujah? It's the same in every language. You can go to every nation of this world and say Hallelujah, and you're going to find a Christian somewhere that's going to look at you and say Hallelujah. And I love that. Why? Because praising God is the same in every language. Because it's God's love language. So what does halal mean? It means to boast. It means to rave about. It means to celebrate. If you want a picture of this, go to LSU Death Valley on a Saturday. That's halal. Come on. When the... 
Come on, and all the players run out on the field. What does everyone do? They don't just kind of sit there and go, oh, here they come. They're like, wow, they're raving about them. They're celebrating. They're body pumping each other and everything. That's halal. And it's sad, isn't it, that it happens on a Saturday, but then it's forgotten on a Sunday. My goal is that our praise and worship would be more rowdy on a Sunday than anything that we can give on a ball game on a Saturday or throughout the week. By that response, we've got a long way to go, but we're praying for that. <laughs> Psalms twenty-two, twenty-six, And incidentally, amazing that the biggest book in the Bible is a book of Psalms, songs, praise to God. It says, the poor will eat and be satisfied, but all who seek the Lord will hallel Him, praise Him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. Come on, I'm boasting about God. I'm raving about God. I am celebrating. God loves it when we hallel Him. Come on, when we tell others about how great our God is and we're so excited about Him. The next word is yada. 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 That means to acknowledge someone or something in public with what? With our hands extended. Can we just do that? Come on, can we just yada in the house? Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, yada, yada. Come on, we are yadaing God. Here's what it literally means. Are you ready? It means literally to raise our hands towards heaven. You see, a lot of times we think worship is with just our mouths, but we're going to see it's with our whole being. God wants us to lift our hands towards heaven. For what reason? We are acknowledging the greatness of God. Come on, we are praising God for His greatness. Come on, when I'm lifting my hands to heaven, it's that universal sign of surrender. But what I'm saying to God in my worship and my praise is this, God, I don't have the answers, but you do. God, I'm praising you. I'm acknowledging your greatness because you are able to take over this situation. I'm surrendering it to you. I'm yielding it and I'm giving it to you. Psalms 138 verse 1 says, I will yada." I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praises to you. Literally, my hands are high in the air and I'm waving them just like I just don't care. (laughs) Have you ever thought about this, though? When we express our love towards someone else, our hands are involved. Huh? Holding hands. We use our hands are involved in expressing love to other people. And really the real picture, if you want to grab a hold of what Yada is, Yada is a child that is reaching out to mommy or daddy and saying, I need you, I need you, I need you. Nothing like it when you're a parent and you're a child. You just feel that love. You just feel that, that, that that's what we're doing. God, I... I need you. Dad, I need you. I just want to love you. I want to love you. Then there's Barak. Barak is the third one. Barak is used to convey blessings and giving thanks. It's literally, though, to bow down and even kneel as a sign of humility and gratitude. So as I praise God with Barak, what I'm really doing is I'm presenting myself to God. I'm giving myself, I'm humbling myself before God. I am yielding to God. I am saying, God, I'm yours. 
I'm surrendered, yielded, given completely to you. Psalms 103 verse 1 says, Let all I am, Barak, praise the Lord. God, with my whole heart, I'm going to praise your holy name. And something happens when we yield our lives to God. You want to know what that is? Read on verse 3 and 5. For he forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. Come on, he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles when I yield and give my life. Come on, you get something out of loving God. I I just want you to know that. You get so much back, as like Sarah said in worship last week, worship is all for God, but you receive something back when you give Him His portion. Come on, when you fill God's love tank, come on now, He can't help but to give back to His children. The fourth word of praise is Zamar. Zamar. It literally means to make music to God. It means on instruments that we zadar God, that we strum, that we play, that we hit, that we make music with instruments to God. We see this in Psalms 150 verse 3 through 5. It says, zadar him with the sound of the trumpets. Come on, zadar him with the lute and the harp. Zadar him with the timbrels and dance. Come on, you may not have an instrument up here, but you've got an instrument right here. Come on now. You you can zadar God with your instruments of praise. Why? Because remember, your body is an instrument to God because your body is made up of strings, percussion, and wind. Come on. You got wind to what? Come out of your lungs. It hits those vocal cords and they vibrate. They're strings. And that's where the sound comes from. And then you got percussion because you can clap and you can stamp your feet and you can zada God with your body. Amen. Come on, number five is this Shabak. You can Shabak God. Now, this word kind of makes some people uncomfortable. Because it means to shout out loud. Come on, hallelujah! Come on, some people like to come to church and think it's a library. Shh, making up too much noise. Come on, God loves it when we shabak Him. Come on, we shout. It means to address in a loud tone. Psalm 63 verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall shabak you. You can't silence me because I know what God's done in my life. And my lips are going to give God the praise. I'm going to give Him the glory. Because He's worthy a lot more than Tom Brady. He's worthy a lot more than LSU. He's worthy a lot more than Drew Brees and the saints. He's worthy a lot more because no one has done what God has done in my life. I'm going to shabak God. Come on, number six. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to toda. I'm going to toda God. I'm probably killing the definitions, but hey, it's okay. Toda is similar to yada. Yada was what we lift our hands. But notice this, toda means to praise God, yes, with lifted hands towards heaven in adoration. But here's what makes it different. It's lifting my hands with an expectancy. Come on, it's lifting my hands, waiting to receive something from God. I I call this the funnel praise. Is that okay? I want to make a big funnel. 
I want God to fill me. Come on. I'm expecting God to fill me. You can make a small funnel if you want right here, but I want a big funnel. Why? Because I want a big blessing from God. Literally, when we tout to God, we're saying, God, I'm going to praise you. Why? Because you're going to fill me. You're going to fill me. Psalms 50, 23. Whoever offers Tara praise, God says, glorify me. And to him I will order his conduct aright. But notice this. I will show the salvation of God. Come on, I, I mean, I'm going to receive something. That means that when I praise, I'm going to get something. But it's not about me. It's about giving. But in giving, the Bible said, you shall receive good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I'm ready to receive from God. Why? Because I'm going to tote to God. Because I want to love God much in my life. Number seven, you can... Talila. Is that right? I don't know. Sounds good. Talila means this, exuberant singing. Means just to sing out with everything that you have. Psalms 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His Talila praise shall continually be in my mouth. My mouth. I know I've got to end this message, so let's bring it down. The truth is this, come on. We all practice those seven kinds of praise in some area of our lives. The question is just this, to who are we directing that praise? Well, pastor, I'm just unreserved, I'm, reserved, I'm just not like that. Psst, yeah, right. See someone steal your purse in the mall and you're not going to go, help, help, help. Come on. You're going to get that spirit of Talila all over you. You're going to get that spirit of Shabak all over you. And you're going to say, hey! Look at this statement. Are you ready? It's not a case of whether or not we are a worshiper. But what and whom are we worshiping? I've made this declaration in my life. And I'll go to ball games and I'll act like a fool in a ball game. Can I tell you, I love sports. We went to the gymnastics Friday. I was ch- shouting and cheering. I-, I love sports. I love Kat Hannah and I went to the basketball Thursday night. I-, I love being in those environments. I love to cheer. But I'm telling you right now, I never cheer louder there than what I'm going to cheer in church. Because I don't let my praise be used up there. I, that's why I get excited in church. That's, what, that's why I dance around in church. You know, one of the reasons I like sitting at the front is because you don't distract me. Because if I was to look at some of you, I would get pretty depressed about my praise. I'm just being real right now. I, I would get pretty depressed. Why? Because I'm like, man, God's done more than that for me. If they don't want to praise God, then I'll yada for them and I'll shabak for them and I'll, I'll do all that for them. Listen to me. The great place to start. You may say, well, pastor, okay, all this, I understand. The greatest place that you can start today is not to change the style of your worship, but to change the direction of your worship. If we're going to love God much, we've got to start speaking his love language. We've got to start expressing our true love towards him. Why? Because God doesn't want second-rated love. He doesn't want to be the mistress of your life. 
He, he doesn't want to be that kind of, if I've got time, person in your life. Come on, he doesn't want to be the leftover God that he goes to the refrigerator and gets what's ever left for the meal. He wants to be sitting down around that table with us eating. He wants to be served first in our life. He wants to have the best of every part of our life. Why? Because order matters. Order matters. How do I know this? When God gave the Ten Commandments, and that wasn't ever how he wanted to rule man, but he gave something very important from the beginning. Exodus 20, verse 3, he said these words. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. God didn't say we couldn't have things after him. Come on, God doesn't mind we enjoy things. He doesn't mind we enjoy sports. He doesn't mind we enjoy our work. He doesn't mind we have hobbies and interests and we enjoy these things. Ladies, he doesn't mind that you enjoy going to the mall. But he minds when it comes before him. Because if we love those things more than him, then we are breaking the first commandment that we must love God with everything in our hearts. Let me read that commandment again from Mark this time. Mark 12, 30, New Living Translation says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Can we do a worship checkup? Come on, let's, let, let's do a love checkup today. Because firstly, God says this from that verse. He says, you've got to love me with all your heart and with all your Soul. How do I love God much? By giving Him my affections. By expressing my love to Him in clear and positive ways. It's like the husband and the wife who were married for 50 years. The wife finally says to the husband, you know what? After 50 years, I'm just convinced that you just don't love me anymore. You've never told me that you love me. And the husband looked at her and he said, woman, the day I married you, I told you I love you. And if that ever changes, I'll let you know. That's not going to go over well. I said, that doesn't go over well. Because if in me in a love relationship, if I say I love you, but don't expect anything from me, see how that will go. I'm telling you right now, it's not good and it's definitely not God. It won't go over well. But yet we put that thought to God. God, I love you, but don't expect anything from me. Come on, if you are capable of only worshipping God in your heart, then you are withholding yourself from the one you say you love the most. Psalms 84 verse 10. David writes these words. He says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I love this. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be at the door, at the gatekeeper of my God, than live in the good lives and in the homes of the wicked. In other words, David said, I would rather just be in the door of God's house than being in the best place that the world has to offer. Why did David say that? Because David says, God, I want to love you with all my heart and soul. David is saying these words, come on, I want to do anything I can to be close to you. I I just want to be around you, God. If it's just inside the door one step, if that's all I can, God, I'm around you and that's going to be good enough for me. Come on, don't allow other people to determine how you express your affection to God. We get so worried about, well, what's other people going to think? Hey, here's what you've got to think. What have they done for you? Come on, who saved you? Who delivered you? Who set you free? Who's your hope? Who's your strength? Who's your future? Who's the power? Who's the peace? Who's the comfort? Who's the strength? Who's your healer? Who's your liberator? Who's your deliverer? Who's your sure reward? Come on, they haven't done that. 
You've got to love God with all your heart and all your soul. The second thing we've got to do, look at the scripture again. It says this, we've got to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, and we've got to worship God with all of our minds. 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 What does that mean? I've got to love God. My focus of my mind needs to be on God. I need to think about God. Remember when you fell in love. Remember when you fell in love, all you could think about was that person. Everything else, your boss is like, come on, we need to have a meeting. Your work is going down the toilet. What's going on? What's happening? And you're like, man, I'm sorry. I'm so preoccupied. I've just got a lot going on right now. The lot going on is that beautiful girl or that handsome guy. And you're just consumed by those thoughts. You, you go to bed with those thoughts. You wake up with those thoughts everywhere and every. You know what? God wants to be a thought to you. Come on, God wants you to go to bed saying thank you, Jesus. God wants you to wake up thinking about the goodness of Jesus. God wants you to be in your car loving Him with your mind. God wants you to be at your work loving Him with your minds. God wants, come on, whatever you worship, listen to me, you're going to think about most of the time. Whatever you worship and love, and worship is love expressed, so whatever you love, you're going to think about most of the time. Come on, when's the last time you really thought about Jesus? And last check, are you ready? Mark 12, 30, again it says, Worship the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, strength, strength. Come on, this is talking about how you use your gifts and talents that God has given you to serve God. Are you serving in your church? Are you on one of our dream teams? Are you helping us touch other people? Because I want you to know something right now. You ready for this? That when you are serving other people, you are worshipping God. When, you, when you're holding a door open, when you're on a band, when you're holding a kid in the nursery, when you're driving a bus, when you are helping other people and serving them, come on, you are worshipping God. God loves that. God loves it when you're worshipping Him with your strength, when you're giving the talents and the giftings that you have to Him. Look at this statement. We are never more like God than when we love other people. When we are serving other people, we are never more like God. Why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. He said, I came to serve. And he said, I came to give my life. Come on, some of us need to give our time and wake up a little bit early on a Sunday morning to come and serve in the house. Come on, some of us need to do that. In fact, every one of us, I believe, that we need to do that. We we don't force people, by the way, to serve in this house. That's not what we do. And the reason why we don't force people to serve in this house is because of this. If someone is not able to offer what they do as a gift of worship, then we don't want it. Come on, let me say that again. If someone is not able to offer what they do as a gift of worship, then they shouldn't do it. Because it's going to come across. We believe in this house it's an honor to serve God. We believe it's an honor. I, I, I love God through helping other people. And I thank God for that. Just bow your heads all over this place today.